0: Thank you, men, for singing for us. And thank you for that song, The Cross of Christ, Tim, an original composition by Tim, because it focuses us on the center of Christian thinking, which is the nature of the cross and what Christ bought for us there, what he did for us, how he saved us by his grace in his substitutionary death upon the cross. I was reflecting on this yesterday at a funeral in a very small Catholic Church out in the rural area, and they had a very large painting of Jesus hanging upon the cross. And I just thought about it and meditated on what Jesus did for us at the cross of Christ. And the scripture which we visit now is not about the crucifixion, but it does have this theme that people are offended by Jesus. And in Luke, there appears to be a parallel Uh, Account of this first trip to Nazareth after his announcement of his uh, prophetic work and his baptism. And in Luke, it records that they tried to kill him. The hometown people just wanted to kill him after he read and spoke in the synagogue. So we're going to Mark chapter 6 for this last message about family conversations that Jesus had. We've done four of them, and this will be the final one. Next week, we're going to begin the series Discussions with Skeptics. If you know any skeptics, you ought to bring them. We're going to look at the scriptures where people challenged the claims of Jesus that he was making, and so there are many instances where people simply did not believe what Jesus was saying, so we'll start that next week. And then following that, in March, we're going to do two months of Why Jesus? In which we deal with the question from the text of the Gospels, Why Jesus? And once again, this is a common theme in the Gospels. And John's Gospel, in fact, is written at the end. Why? That you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing, you might have life in His name. That's the reason he wrote the book. So Why Jesus is what The gospel writers are presenting. So we're going to look at that and once again we want you to invite your friends and family members who may not believe in Jesus or have questions about Jesus or are seeking because this is a series that we hope will investigate those very questions that they have. So today in Mark chapter 6 we have this account of the visit to Nazareth and I'm going to start with verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown Accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own house. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And I'm amazed. After those six questions they're asking, there could have been a statement that the whole town believed in Jesus. What are these miracles? What are these wonderful things? Where did this wisdom come from? How does he do this? Wasn't he the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Don't we know his brothers or sisters? And they all believed in him. But no! No! No, instead, he encountered this incredibly hard unbelief in his own hometown. And he couldn't do the miracles there that he'd done in Capernaum and other places because they were so hardened in their unbelief. And Mark records he healed a few sick people, but that was about it. It Looks like those might have been private things that he did in his own hometown, Nazareth. And Jesus says, the prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his own relatives. And so we have this setting in Nazareth where people who were familiar with Jesus didn't believe in him. That little proverb says familiarity breeds contempt. And I guess that's what happened in Nazareth. The people just remembered him as a boy. They remembered him playing in the streets. Think about it, think about it. If somebody you know claimed to be someone great and you went to elementary school with them, how would you, how would you take that? There's, there's a way in which knowing the person just makes him one of us. I got to thinking as I read this passage, is it only Jesus' hometown where he's too familiar, where people think they know him, Maybe that afflicts other people. Maybe even people in our generation. Is it possible that we who have grown up in a Christian culture with churches on every corner and the name of Jesus woven into our vocabulary, is it possible, I'm just asking, that we've grown so familiar with Jesus he no longer Startles us, surprises us. We don't think about him in the way we might have say if we'd never heard his name. And suddenly we heard the gospel. And we'd be amazed at what we were hearing. I want us to explore that question because I see the evidence that this is becoming a post-Christian culture. Now, you've probably heard the term, all right? Post-Christian. Used to be a Christian culture is the assumption, and now it's not anymore. And there are a lot of post-Christians out there who grew up in the church maybe and used to believe in Jesus, but not so much anymore. They got other options they're exploring and thinking about. I wonder if maybe we couldn't be afflicted in our culture with the same thing that happened in Nazareth where they thought they'd heard Jesus when he was a boy, when he was a teenager, when he was a young adult. And so now when he comes, they seem unable to hear him. It's like those brothers came to see him last week, we talked about, and they stayed outside the meeting and someone sent somebody else inside the meeting to get Jesus in and tell him that his family was waiting outside for him? It didn't appear that those brothers were particularly anxious to hear what their own brother had to say. And while throngs were coming to hear Jesus, James and Judas and Simon and Joseph, they weren't among them. Oh, we've already heard him. We've already heard Jesus. I think there's lots of people in this culture who think they've heard Jesus, but who never actually heard Jesus. In fact, there is widespread ignorance of the Scripture in this post-Christian culture. We are not a people who read the Bible a lot, even people in the pews. I think there's lots of people who got all their information from Jesus, from somebody else and very seldom cracked open the Bible or opened their Bible app to read the Bible for themselves. When was the last time you read the Gospel of Mark? When was the last time it was a regular part of your life to read the Scriptures? I'm just asking. I'm just thinking. These folks thought they'd heard Jesus, but really... They never heard him. And maybe that's maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you've heard other people talk about Jesus and you've heard what other people had to say about Jesus and maybe you got third hand some of the things Jesus said but as far as actually reading the Bible and reading the words of Jesus, that's not you. You hadn't done that. So you're thinking somebody who went into a harangue about something, that you were hearing Jesus. Maybe you grew up in a time of bigotry and hatred and racism and that was vocalized by people who said they were Christians and you're thinking you heard Jesus. Maybe you heard somebody pounding on sinners you thought that was unkind and judgmental, and you thought you were hearing Jesus. I mean, really, you ought to read what Jesus says. Because he loves sinners. And he went to their house, and he ate with them. And he reserved his harshest remarks for religious people who were leaders in their religion. Did you know this about Jesus? Jesus. Did you know that Jesus was endeared to the hearts of common people because he loved them? He didn't mind touching the leper. And when a prostitute from the street came to wash his feet, he blessed her instead of judging her. That's Jesus. You know what I think? I think of this generation of post-Christians would just open the Bible to start reading about Jesus and actually hear from Jesus himself, some of them would be absolutely amazed at what he says because even these centuries later, no one ever spoke like Jesus. And when you start reading his stories and his teachings, he is amazing, and he disturbs you and he challenges you. That's Jesus townspeople thought they'd heard him I think there's a lot of people in this culture who think they've heard him but actually they haven't those townspeople thought they'd seen him too oh yeah we we know Jesus he's the carpenter yeah we saw him we saw him when he worked in his shop we saw him when he was transporting his goods we saw him working with Joseph his dad We saw Jesus. They saw him as a young man and an adolescent, but they never gave him a chance when he declared his ministry. See, they were so caught up in their familiarity with this one who was part of their hometown that they couldn't really see him. I think that's part of the problem with the post-Christian culture. This This generation that's exploring other things besides Jesus, folks who grew up in the church, who are leaving the church, I wonder if they didn't have their eyes on church people instead of on Jesus. Maybe all they ever saw was we who represent him so poorly and confess that we do. And that's all they ever saw. And maybe they looked around the church one day and they were disappointed by a deacon or a pastor or a staff person who was acting in a way that they thought, that's not right. And all of a sudden, they're, they're turning their back on Jesus because somebody is representing him poorly. Wouldn't it be a sad thing for you to go into eternity having let a hypocrite stand between you and Jesus? I mean, just because of the hypocrite. You go somewhere else. You don't let a hypocrite do that to you. You say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Hey, right here? There are lots of ways in which hypocrisy happens right here. There are times when Jesus would never have compromised when I have. He wouldn't have given an inch, but I did. There are times when Jesus would have... Spoken right out, but I've been silent. There are times when I spoke out when he would have been silent. I know there are times when I haven't loved my God with all my heart like he told me to and loved my neighbor as myself. And these egregious sins I have committed perpetually. And people who look at me, they don't see the perfect representation of the Savior, and they never have. So... There are people who think they've seen Jesus in preachers and deacons and other folks who said they were Christians and they never really got a glimpse of the winsome Savior who loved as nobody's ever loved. They think they know Jesus but they don't. And that's the truth about the townspeople. They grew up with him They saw him playing. They went to school with him, perhaps. They saw his family there in the streets of Nazareth and they think they know him. And the truth is, they do not know him. And I would say to the post-Christian generation that's looking somewhere else for spirituality, I would challenge you and ask yourself this question. Are you the one who think you have heard Jesus, but you never really read it? Are you the one who think you've seen Jesus, but all you looked at were his flawed followers? Are you the one who thinks you know Jesus, and you don't know him any better than those folks in Nazareth who wouldn't believe? I have two suggestions for you. If you're thinking about Jesus and how you relate to him and you're not happy with the church and Christian people and Christian causes and things that are out there that are labeled as Christian and everything gets that title and nothing lives up to it, all right, including me. But if that's you, I have two suggestions for you, okay? And I wish they'd done this in Nazareth. But you can do it. Number one, I'd set aside all the stuff that's between you and Jesus that you've heard and that you've seen. And I would get back to Jesus. Read about him. You're going to have to filter out the cacophony in the culture. And just find Jesus for yourself. That's the first thing I would suggest. You have not given Jesus a fair hearing if all you've done is heard about him from others. You've not given Jesus a fair opportunity in your life if all you've done is look at Christian people. Billy Graham said in his time that 70% of the people who sit in church pews don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now, that's what Billy Graham said. I don't know the number. Nobody knows the number. But I think there's some percentage, right? Are you among them? Are you among them? Paul said in the last days... People are going to come who had a form of godliness but denied its power in their life. Have you got a form? I mean, I think that's the most important question. Don't you? When you read about Nazareth and these people who really didn't know Jesus rejecting him because they'd already prejudged him, my thought is, well, I mean, what about us? There are people who come to church all their life And you know why they're here? Because they're performing religious duties. They're going through the motions. It's a traditional experience in their life. And they've never really trusted Jesus as Savior. You say, that can't happen. Oh, I know that happens. I know that happens. There are people who affiliate with churches because it's good for business because it's good for social standing in a christian culture it's expected you say oh no that wouldn't happen oh come on come on there are people who go to church for those reasons there are people who go to church just because the family goes to church that's the only reason if other people weren't there they wouldn't show up and this is in every every age I mean, I'm looking over here at these wonderful young people, and I love them, but uh, young people, you know, you're notorious for graduating from high school and not showing up at church when you get to college. You know that happens, right? I mean, I'm sure your youth pastors have talked to you about it. It happens. People come to church for lots of different reasons, And sometimes the people who stand between us and Jesus and disappoint us, they don't even know Him. They don't even know Him. They don't have a clue about Jesus. They've never surrendered their whole life to Him, they've never had that moment where they realized they were a sinner in need of a Savior there are still people in the pews who say, well, I've done some things wrong, but I'm a lot better than other people. And they're seeking to self-justify. The only reason you'd ever want to self-justify and explain how you're better than other people is if you haven't been justified by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. Once you're justified, once you're made right with God... By grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus, there's no more need for you to justify yourself, your behavior, your actions, your sin. You don't have to justify yourself anymore because you have really, truly experienced grace and you know it in the depths of your soul. You received the forgiveness of God and you had nothing in you that deserved it. And that grace pours over you and self-justification just goes away. Those who think they're post-Christian, who are making this journey past Jesus and they're exploring more generic forms of spirituality, things that are more common to all the world religions, and they're seeking to know other religiously, these folks who are post christian They need to make sure they read the book themselves and they're acquainted with what Jesus actually said and what he really looked like in the scriptures. And the second thing they need to do is take a look at themselves. We all want to be God, okay? I think a lot of the spirituality that's out there is patched together by folks who pull this and that and the other and they make up their own religion. Well, who's God in that religion? The self. Hello. Adam, you're not God. you got to follow the rules. And the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. The biggest temptation in the Bible is, hey, if you eat this fruit, you're going to be like God You. You can be it. You can do it. You're the one. You've got to be the center of your own universe. How does that fit on a human being that's frail and weak like me? But the ego so wants it. So the second thing post-Christians must do is look at themselves and say, okay, where do I go if Jesus isn't away? Where am I going? There were folks who were disappointed in Jesus all along, and sometimes he said hard things, and they just took off. Most of the hard things were about, I'm the only way. I am the only way. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you have no life in you. And the disciples said, this is a tough thing to say to people. No wonder they're leaving. And there are some people who leave out the doors of the church because the church is preaching an insistence that is 2,000 years consistent. There's only one way to the Father, and it's Jesus, his Son. And that's just too offensive to hear. You can't say that and be that offensive. And they accuse Jesus of being offended. And when Jesus said, you got to eat my flesh or drink my blood, you have no life in you, the crowds took off. And Jesus looks at at his friends, the 12. You know what he said to them? you guys going to leave too? You guys going to leave too? You probably know folks who already left. They're done with it. They're out of here. You going to leave too? And Peter said, to whom shall we go, Lord? You alone have the words of eternal life. You know, what words are you going to get out there? you leave Jesus and go find something else Jesus alone has the words of eternal life there's one who died and rose again from the dead his name is Jesus and he rose never to die again and he offers us the life that brought him out of that tomb If we will trust Him and believe in Him and place our faith not in the church, not in church leaders, but in Christ Himself, not in our goodness, our reputation, our ability to keep the rules, but in Christ Himself, not saved by religious duties or regulations or works of righteousness that we ourselves perform, but only Christ alone can save. Nothing else comes. Nothing else can. Only Him. Where else will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life, and we are sure and bear witness that you are the Son of God. That's what Peter said. I challenge you. Hear what Jesus says. See who Jesus is. Take a hard look at yourself. As the Scripture says, there's no other name given un- Under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. This is it. Nazareth rejected him. They said, nope, he's too familiar to us. We heard all that before. We're not listening. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But whoever receives him, Jew, Gentile, whoever... But whoever received him, to those people, he gives the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. If you'll look past all the stuff and get your eyes on Jesus, you will agree with John. I beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of, of grace and truth bow with me please as we bow our heads we bow our heads in the presence of the living Christ who promised where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst we bow our heads as imperfect people and we know that we know we have not represented him fully and fairly in all of our dealings We need his forgiveness. Lord, we pray that you will forgive us for the many ways in which we have misrepresented you even as your followers and seeking to be fully devoted unto you. God, we pray that you will take these feeble words we've spoken today, direct hearts to the very word of the text, to the very one who spoke them. God, we pray that people might see Jesus. And Lord, even in this place, that those who have stepped away from him might come back and realize there's no other place to go, there's no other name under heaven, that you are the promised one. Lord, we pray today that you would have your way in us. By your Holy Spirit, do your work. In Jesus' name.